everyone, and welcome to another B-side edition of Set Lusting Bruce, where we get off the Bruce Springsteen channel on your SiriusXM, and we switch to a different kind of music channel. And today, we would be hitting button number eight and talking 80s music. Yeah. And joining me today is Rose. How you doing, Rose? I'm great, Jesse. How are you doing? I am thrilled. Uh, I think you just were on a different Southgate Media podcast with my buddy uh, Dave. I sure was. Uh, Dave and I and Scott Yeah. Uh, Compton, we were just tearing it up. I'm telling you, it's just, <laughs> he mentioned a song between the three of us and he just, oh yeah, I remember when that came out. Or, I remember when that album hit the gold. <laughs> or, yeah, we were just unstoppable that day. It was just really amazing. So before we get into why 80s, Mm -hmm. talk to me your musical background. What kind of music did you listen to growing up? Were your family very active, just the radio or playing albums? Talk to me a little bit about your musical background. Wow. Okay. This is the first time anyone's asked me that besides my kids. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, So I was born in 1960, south side of Chicago. I lived with – my grandmother raised me pretty much, so Mm -hmm. my mom was – a career woman, but, you know, she couldn't balance both, so my grandmother helped a lot, and yeah. my older brothers were two years older and five years older than me, so the first memories I have of radio, they were already in school, so it was pretty much me and grandma, and my grandmother listened to what they called back then, people of the 2000s, um, popular contemporary music. Okay. Which was Vic Damone, Vicky Carr, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, stuff like that. And, you know, other things that came out in the late 50s, early 60s. It was kind of a little, you know, easy to listen to, kind of melodic, right. a lot of strings. So I listened to that on the okay. radio. And um, my grandmother was pretty, you know, forthright about her what she listened to and I never really got to change the channel every so often there would be something different on there some folk music or something she'd come in and (laughs) (laughs) yes you know she didn't want to listen to any of that rock and roll stuff and truthfully I didn't hear any Beatles until like the 70s after they'd already broken up so tell me if that's not possible well it absolutely is I will I have not thought of this story in years, but I say this all the time that I grew up in a house where you listen to both kind of music, country and western. There you go. My mom did like some early rock and roll like Fats Domino, and mm-hmm. my dad was Williams, Merle Haggard, pretty strong. Yeah. And I can remember, I was born in 59. So you and I are pretty close to the same age. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to visit my cousins, and I must have been seven or eight. So it's in the 60s, 67, 68. My cousins could not believe I could not name all four Beatles. (laughs) But, you know, there was – I didn't watch the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Now, I watched every episode of Johnny Cash's show. Yeah. It was – we were a Southern Baptist household. 
And so then the whole John Lennon thinks he's more popular than Christ. You know? yeah. This is that evil music. So I had no – just it was no context in my house. So yeah. I, I'm right there with you, Rose. Good. I'm glad somebody can relate. Yes. Yeah. I was pretty much you know okay with what I heard. Sure. I sung a lot around the house and learned how to sing yeah. along to the radio. So that's pretty much got me interested in music. Um, if someone sounded good, then I would try and emulate them sure. vocally. Um, as I got older, you know, it got me involved in choir and school, and then later on in church and things like that. And, but um, but so far, from, you and I are going through the same thing: choir, just uh, singing in the church in the choir or soloist. And I, I've told this story as well too when. Um, Alan Jackson put out that couple of CDs that were, you know, that he basically opened up the Baptist hymnal and picked songs. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I knew every song. I, you know, I just there you go. see it right now. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so cool. When you hit your teenage years, I'm guessing you started trying to find a few other things or what? There was a bit of a culture shock between the time we left Chicago in 60 seven okay and we moved to cleveland and then okay. we all lived together all right. and my mom was in the house and that's when i discovered motown it was like what <laughs> what is this interesting music my, my limbs are moving voluntarily i feel like swaying like a yes. oh it was crazy you know and it was just i was in you know, my brothers and I were going to talent shows. We were like in, we were the Supremes. His friends were the Temptation, and then Michael Jackson and Jackson Five came on the scene. So I'm just like, whoa, what is all this stuff? Gone were the days, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. With all the, you know, Happy Eddie Albert and, and all these other people, mm -hmm. they were they were old fogies by then. You yes. Know, I didn't have any time for them. As I skirted into my teens in my early teens there was a lot of r&b that i was listening to mm -hmm. because it just kind of stuck with me you know it was just like it had a fuller sound it it had it was danceable could share albums with my friends and everybody else listened to the same thing my brothers like i said they were a lot older than me now their influences my very first album take a guess what my very first album was Four Tops? Temptations? No, Curtis Mayfield. Ah, very nice. Yeah, my brother gave that to me, and he mm -hmm. said, I am so tired of listening to you, listen to this washed-out pop bubblegum junk. Yes. He said, you need to listen to something that's got some substance to it. Wow. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> See, <laughs> I was the oldest. The first thing I bought of my own money was an Elton John's Greatest Hits 8-track tape, you know, because I was a child of Top 40 Radio. Yes, we uh, were. Yeah, we truly yeah. were. I just, you know, and I remember staying up, listening to the radio at night, hoping mm -hmm. beyond hope that my favorite song would come on and I'd be able to record it you know, somehow or listen to it in my sleep. I didn't know what I was thinking. But you listen to the station long enough, the rotation eventually comes yes. back around. Well, and you would get your you'd, you'd get for Christmas a cassette player. And back then, 
I know people won't believe this, but there were hardly any pre-recorded cassettes. You you either yeah. bought an album or you bought an A-track. Exactly. But you did use that cassette and you had it next to the radio and you would, you know, push play record and try to record off the uh, song. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, I remember that. And, or yes. if you had friends that had some cash yes. and, their fr- and their family was kind of hip, mm-hmm. it had reel to reel. Oh, yes. Now that was wild. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the creme de la creme of recording. And reel to reel. Staying yep. up on Friday nights for the midnight special. <gasps> yes. I almost sang the theme song there for a second. <laughs> Uh, because, and such a diverse group of, you know, musicians would be on there. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. Don Kirshner's rock concert. Yes, exactly. I very seldom ever got to stay up, but when there was somebody really cool on there that I thought was cool, you know, like Three Dog Night or America or, you know, Carlos Santana and, Mm -hmm. you know, of course they were just Santana then, but (laughs) War you know, mm-hmm. it'd be like, oh, can I stay up and watch TV, Mom? You know, of course, you know, half hour into it, I'm just dead to the world. And, you know, but she knew that, so. <laughs> and, sure, go ahead. And and forget, you know, um, a VCR. I mean, there's no such thing. You just, you had, you know, you had to watch it. You did. If you and, wanted to see it, you had to watch it. And absolutely. hope to God they had reruns next year. Yes. Um, and... I don't know about you, but, you know, on Sundays, um, Casey Kasem's Top 40, if it was any way possible, I, that was mandatory listening for me. Yeah, uh, when I was in Germany. Yeah. Um, and stationed in Germany from 80 to 83. Yeah, yes. that just was something that I tuned into. You know, and he has a very, oh, bless his heart, he just had such a way of explaining things and just being so matter-of-fact about it. As a matter of fact, he said something of Def Leppard, who's the, <laughs> the drummer, is like the best one yeah. drummer in the world or something right. like that. And it's like, dude, he's like the only one armed <laughs> But, you know, he didn't care. It's just like he wanted mm-hmm. to make sure you knew that, you know. So, and it is like, this is going out. This is a dedication, you know, going out to so-and-so, you know. When... My dad was stationed in uh, in Frankfurt, Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, this would have been Frankfurt or Augsburg. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. it must have been. But anyway, yeah. this was when I was in the 7th and 8th grade, so oh, wow. 72, 73. Um, there was no American TV. You mm-hmm. know, everything was in German, and so you did mm-hmm. listen to the radio. And uh, Armed Forces Radio, they would have some time where they would do a countdown. Yes, and, Casey, and it was always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, we were on a, a road trip, and we stumbled across, and I don't know if they still do, but mm-hmm. at the time, they were playing the Casey Kadiumson's American Top 40 mm-hmm. unedited. Oh, you know, wow. I mean, it was – now, there's no commercials. Right. But they would – you know, he'd be talking about an up-and-coming band, you know, mm. uh, and, you know, that, you know, later would either be nothing or mm-hmm. you'd go, wow, they were big. And um, I will tell you, <laughs> my wife and I were just sitting there just glued to listening to that voice, listening to the stories, mm-hmm. uh, and it took you back to a great time. It did. 
And when, you know, it, it seemed as though what was being played and what people heard really mattered. Yeah. And the DJ, you know, he technically he wasn't a disc jockey, but he was, you know, he yes. was a disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And he obviously loved music, you know, and he mm-hmm. loved what he did, and you could tell. Absolutely. You know? Why an 80s channel? For those of you who don't know, what's your Twitter handle? I'm going to ask you at the end, but um, you do, you, 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 80s music girl, right? Or, yeah, I'm at 80s music girl. Uh-huh. And you do a, you kind of do a show, right? I, well, actually, um, I have a blog. Yes. Um, I used to have, I used to have a, a radio show. Mm-hmm. So to speak, I worked with some gentlemen. Uh, they did uh, Milk Radio. They had a Milk Radio network out of London, and I worked with them for about six months. And I would record me talking in between the songs. I would send them the songs, and then I'd send them my voice uh, introducing the songs. And they put it all together and stick me on every Wednesday for six months at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, how fun. But it was. <laughs> why 80s? Because we're sitting here talking about the 70s. and I do. Why did you do an 80s channel? Because to me, 80s to me was my, it was honestly my coming of age, truthfully. Okay. I had a very, I lived a very sheltered life as a mm-hmm. child. And my grandmother raised me up until she died in 1978. Okay. And I had to make something of myself. I had to do something. I was 18 years old. I chose to go in the Army against the wishes of practically everyone in my family. Honestly, I really didn't care. I, I was doing something for me. I wasn't, yeah, okay, people are going to tell me what to do, but they get paid to tell me what to do, and I probably should listen to them if I want right. to not get blown up or my foot shot off or you know, right. fall in a ditch or something. I discovered I liked structure, and I liked discipline, but having lived with it for so long, I guess I was used to it. When I had my children, and I was married and I had my children, the my first husband and I didn't, did, we parted ways very badly. My kids were pretty much it. I mm. had gotten out of the military because I had to for my children. Sure. It was like we all kind of grew up together. Okay. It was, I didn't have anybody telling me what to do anymore and have any, I had lost some of my structure and, and I was trying to raise three kids and didn't know how to do that either pretty much. And <laughs> None of us do. My solace was music mm-hmm. and the 80s had... To me, some of the most eclectic and weird, quirky, bizarre, amazing, from punk to new wave to new romantic to you name it, it was out there. Yes. The first time I saw Flock of Seagulls on MTV, I died laughing. Right. I thought, these guys are hysterical. Please tell me they're not serious. But they were. Mm-hmm. Maybe later on in life, you know, that pretty much admit later on in an interview, nah, you know, we were just joking around. We knew we weren't really serious, but we knew we wanted to make music. So it was kind of discovering things about me that I didn't know existed. Like, hey, spiky hair looks really cool. Okay. Oh, you got three different colors of shoes on. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you can play the guitar with your teeth. That's fun. Just stuff like that that i i thought i was just this somber regimented you know stick in the mud 
And I actually found out that I really wasn't. To me, I think that, honestly, the 80s was created for me. Just just me, that's it. Well, you it, it sounds like you found out that you were a free spirit, and yeah. you didn't know that. I didn't. <laughs> it was quite a shock, I have to admit. That is awesome. I certainly remember... <laughs> I sound old, but you know, I, you and I are at the same generation where when you found out that there was this channel called MTV Mm -hmm. and they played these videos Mm -hmm. and not every cable channel had it. Mm -hmm. And so if you went to a friend's house that did, you're watching that and amazed at what you're seeing and all the Mm -hmm. different music. There was a, things were not as structured to use your word Mm -hmm. you know there is you know i i love east you know i love sirius xm and Mm -hmm. i being who i am stay almost exclusively on the bruce channel Mm -hmm. but there but if i feel like jimmy buffett there is a jimmy buffett channel if i feel like sinatra and these there is a channel for that and There isn't a channel anymore that could play a little bit of everything. And no. the 80s, there was everything from mm-hmm. power ballads to mm-hmm. souls to mm-hmm. um, singer-songwriters to a mm-hmm. little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. And it was just – and it just kept getting bigger. Yeah. And then the mid-80s, you getting you know the big band sounds in, and you got mm-hmm. ska, and you had – there was rap, and nobody knew what that was, even though people were doing it back in 1978. And right. New York and the Bronx and Brooklyn, and they were having battles out mm-hmm. on the street. And it's just, all of this stuff is just like getting slapped in people's faces, you know? And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, I don't know if I could take it all in. What is this? What's mm-hmm. he doing now? So when the newest band came out, It'd be like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do. Look at how they're dressed. Oh, wow, this looks really good. And then if they ended up being a dud, it was like, oh, jeez. Then you changed that. That's when they came out. You know, it's like MTV needed to have a counterpart. VH1 started playing like their little, the more top 40 stuff, I guess. You know. Yes. So that's just like, okay, I can relate to this now. I can, I'll watch these guys for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, can I ask you a personal question? You can ask me anything you want, Rose. I have a problem okay. with this term, and I don't know if you have a problem with the term, Okay. but I do not like being referred to as a baby boomer. That is a great question, because I think officially a baby boomer ends in like 60, being born like mm-hmm. at 61, 62 or something? I thought so, too. Yeah. I've read a few things over the yeah. years that have kind of coupled. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I do not listen to The Grateful Dead. Right. I did not do acid in the 60s. Right. And <laughs> sorry, not that that means that's what your baby boomer is, but there, yeah. there's kind of a stigma that kind of goes with I, that, I think. We we are at the end of that. So I The way I grew up, we are getting personal now, but you know, in our household – Opening a beer, sipping it, mm-hmm. the next step is you are drunk, homeless, in a ditch. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so yes. while some of my friends – and they talked about, well, if you went to high school in the 70s, you smoked pot. Just that was it. And you know, <laughs> I didn't because I was I – I, I didn't – I still am not a very big drinker, but I was raised in a very strict Baptist home, and, mm-hmm. and it was anti-drinking, and it was not something – 
there was no social drinking. They didn't have wine with dinner or like, an, you know, champagne for a celebration or anything. And so there's a lot of those things that I, I don't have that when they lump us in that baby boom, yeah. we, we aren't quite there. Right, and let me say before yeah. anybody starts sending out hate mail, yeah. I'm not saying that all baby boomers dropped acid and followed the Grateful Dead. What I am saying is that scene just never felt right to me. Yeah. I had I I didn't feel like I had anything in common with that generation. Now my brother, my brother mm-hmm. probably he was a baby boomer because he was born in 1955. You know, to him, to me, he kind of fell into that category, but I just. I don't know. I just I don't like being labeled anyway. Right. But mislabeled is even <laughs> yeah, and, that's even worse. And you know, we've already talked about based on our upcoming a lot of the social cultural icons mm-hmm. that happened. Um, I do not have. You know, I did. We didn't watch Ed Sullivan at my house, mm, so did. I didn't see the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or everything. Now. Yeah. My mom loved Bobby Darren. Oh and yeah. So, which I do too. I mean, you know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. That's what are do you have a couple of albums or songs that mean a great deal to you that have kind of either their touch points in your life or they I'm not the first one to say this, but you know, songs are time machines. Yes. How about it, you? Anything to share, Rose? Sure. Um, we're talking eighties, or yep, just in general. Sure. Okay. Or in general, we. Um, this is very. I, I love this. I, this is such a wonderful discussion. So yeah, whatever you want. But um, okay, um, we will say, let's pick a song from the eighties that kind of. I don't know. It was uh, Rick Astley did quite a few dance tunes back then. Right. And he did Together Forever. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first cassette singles yes. that I purchased. <laughs> I had forgotten about those, yes. <laughs> and I was in my bedroom listening to them, and my kids all burst in. And they're like, what do you listen to, Mom? And I'm like, oh, it's this new song that came out. I said, it's kind of dancey, don't you think? And my son's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to dance. He's like 10. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure you do. So I grabbed him by his arm and we just whirled around the room and I just twirled him back and he was smiling, you know, and he's like, oh, this isn't too bad. Of course, if he went to school the next day and told somebody that he probably got beat up, but mm-hmm. that's probably, he probably didn't, but, you know, he's, and the other two young ones there, he's just like scooting around the room, you know, so that was really kind of enjoyable that moment always sticks into my mind you know because we were we're all together you know we're all one and we're all sharing the same moment Mm -hmm. and rick astley made that possible so now every time i hear that song (laughs) that's that's the memory it triggers you know my kids having a hoot nanny (laughs) that is a great memory and it oh that's wonderful love that one and so, you might actually like this one, too. This one goes a little further back. Okay. Um, I have always been a ham. I, I wear my ham badge proudly. Good for you. I Life was Mikey, the little girl with the glasses and the curly hair. There's yep. no business. Like, that's yes. me. Okay. So, 
So uh, when I was about five or six years old, uh, I can remember this very clearly, my aunts and uncles would all come over and they'd be sitting there and talking about the old days and this and that. And somebody would put some music on and they'd, you know, get up and they'd dance and somebody would you know, sing. It would be like a real family get together. You okay. know? It's like, okay, so who's got a song or who's got mm-hmm. a story or who's got a joke? Us kids being who we were. Please look at us, you know. We, yeah. Rose, you got a song for us. What's your song? And uh, somehow I knew all the words to King of the Road. Sure. And Miller, yeah. <laughs> so basically, a cappella, mind you, mm-hmm. no music. I sang every, and my, of course, you know, the, the bridge, you know, every engineer on every track. Yep. You know, they'd get all like, go, girl, go, you know. And uh, apparently there were some dance moves that went to that. I I don't remember, but my cousin has Mm -hmm. vivid memories of that. My uncle said, that was professional singing, young lady. He says, here's 50 cents. All right. I'm like, I got 50 cents. So I always tell everybody it was my first paid gig. I say King of the Road for my family. I got paid 50 cents. So, but yeah. I I can't. I don't have that one, but I do have, and we laugh about it to this day, they were um, some channel in Dallas, some radio station did um, like classic country. You know how mm. a lot of times they'll do 70s night on a oldies channel or, you know, mm-hmm. and they were playing some kind of classic country. Merle Haggard's Daddy Frank the Guitar Man came on and I started singing it and my wife is looking at me like how do you know this song and (laughs) what is this song yeah a better question (laughs) and I said you know blame my parents yeah (laughs) I I I grew that that is awesome um do you have another one maybe not um, you, you've done great. I just want to go before I move on. Oh, no. Um, it's just pretty much just, uh, oh, um, we can hop to the 70s if we, we sure. can. Uh, Michael Jackson was like a huge influence, him and his brothers. I listened to them constantly. And when I was in choir, I was mm-hmm. in junior high school. And yes. my music teacher, Mr. Kaplan, mm-hmm. still remember him. Uh says look what i've got and held up this paper bag that albums were put in and took this uh 45 out Mm -hmm. and he says who wants to hear ben and i literally thought i was going to pass out i love that song so much so we all got to hear it and Mm -hmm. then he says oh wait he says there's another part to this and he pulls the sheet music out and he starts mm-hmm. playing it on the piano. And he says, wow. who wants to sing this for me? I, honestly, I think I flew down the bleachers just to get to the front of the, of the class. So mm-hmm. I could do that. And I, did, I knew it by heart. I knew it with my eyes closed. And after he, pl- done, after he was done playing it, he looked at me and he goes, you really know this song well, don't you? I was like, yeah. It's <laughs> like there was this goofy look on my face. He goes, <laughs> He says, I may have to use that later. And he did. He had ended up having like a spring concert, and 
um, several of us in the choir had solos, and that was my solo. Mine was, I was at high school and mentioned to somebody, they were doing um, a Miss Junior Miss or something, and they said, I said, do you want me to sing at the pageant? And they said, sure. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we, you know, we did um, Annie's song and uh, oh, Sunshine on My Shoulder, so John Denver a lot. Yeah, so that's that's really nice. I get a little sad sometimes about how strange um, Michael Jackson became. And and I'm not talking all the legal problems. No, but no. Just the bizarreness. Yeah. Because there was, there was no one bigger. No. And I, I've heard somebody talk about this, but when Off the Wall came out and was mm-hmm. huge, there was no way his next album was going to be bigger than that. It, well, and you didn't think it would. You couldn't be, right? Yeah. It was just, there's. I mean, this is going to be, and it wouldn't have been a sophomore slump, but it would have been, you know, you've reached so high, and there's so many hits, and mm-hmm. there's so many great songs on that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be disappointed. In- She's out of my life. Yeah. I mean, he's literally crying at the end. Yes. You and, know, so that's like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's intense. And then Thriller comes out. Yeah. It's impossible to imagine, but yeah. it's big. Yeah. And just a unbelievable. And I just kind of feel sad sometimes that the 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 way his life journey took him. Yeah. And um similar to I have the same feelings it was. It's been widely reported that um, Elvis wanted to um, be in A Star Is Born, the Christopherson oh. part. Wow! And Streisand wanted him in that part. Mm-hmm. And the Colonel first said, "Well, I think it's he has to have top billing." And Streisand, of course, wouldn't, and so they oh. wouldn't let him do him. And I often. Not often, but I do think sometimes in alternate history that if Elvis had done that mm-hmm. and had been as powerful as a lot of people say he was as an actor, mm-hmm. may that have changed his life and saved him. Yeah. Um, you do think about things like that. Yes. And, you know. and to bring it back to um, Springsteen, it is amazing that Bruce is now in his middle 60s. Mm-hmm. He seems to have not made a misstep. <laughs> no. His first marriage didn't work, mm-hmm. but they seem to be, neither one of them talk about it. In his latest, the, the biography, I guess they interviewed her and she had nothing but, I mean, she just didn't want to talk about it. It, you know, it's. Yeah very personal and he seems to whatever scandals people miss he seems to go away and you just kind of wonder what how weird is that that someone yeah. has just through that and yeah not that. yeah how do you come out of that unscathed yeah and i talked to peter from blogness on the edge of town he believes that 
you know, Bruce deliberately after Born in the USA craziness tried to bring back his level of fame. He made specific career moves that would keep a solid fan base, but maybe not be astronomical to maybe keep him grace, you know, grounded and such. Um, right. I don't know, but it's just interesting. That, um, he always seemed to me to be a very, and honestly, I, I don't, I have songs that I know that he's done, yeah. and I've listened to them on the radio, and mm-hmm. and I have them, you know, yeah. on my iPod and things, and I truthfully can't really call myself a fan, yeah, because I don't listen to him on a regular basis, right? But he always seemed to be a man of the people. Yes, and I guess he gets crap about um, singing, you know, as a millionaire, billionaire now. Um, you know, singing about hard times, but I don't think you ever give up your upbringing. No, you don't. And you can't walk away from where you. You come can't. From. And I know there are. We were, you know, in a um, one-income family. My dad was in the military. My mom did not work outside the home. I know. And then when they divorced, um, it was really tough financially. Yeah. And. There are things that there are things that I waste money on, but there are other things that I don't. Like mm-hmm. I ring every possible smidge of toothpaste out of a tube before I chunk it. Yeah, it just just because. Yeah, I know, and because of you know our income, and you know, yeah. Linda and I live a good life, but you just can't throw away that. No. Now, I have a really super hard time uh, wasting food. Yes. Because being uh, living in uh, South Side of Chicago in the 60s, yeah. there was a lot of unrest there and there was a lot of poverty. And my grandmother basically raised us on her Social Security check. Yeah. And my mom would come and she'd supplement, you know, by mm-hmm. paying the rent. But still, we never wanted for anything. Right. And we always got the the best gifts at Christmas, you know. Yeah. So I know my mom was out there. She worked as a waitress for a very long time. So I know she was out there making those tips and, right. you know, taking care of us. But to this day, it's just like I can tell you things that I just absolutely refuse to eat. Mm-hmm. Any because I yes. ate it so much as a kid. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I just – I, I can't waste food. I just, you know, my size pretty much proves it. Yes. But, I, you know, I just, if you didn't clean your plate, you didn't get dessert. Right. And that was just, could have been like the high point of your day right there. Yeah, absolutely. Jello with Cool Whip. Yeah. I mean, come on. Who's going to pass that up? Exactly. And kids right? now are going, what? What's yeah, Jello? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Rose, I think what I'd like to do after the, maybe the new year, um, is let's pick an album that you aren't very familiar with of Bruce's. Okay. And then um, you'll listen to it, kind of take notes, and then we'll go through it track by track. That sounds cool. Yeah, like and just that. kind of in that way, and it's okay if you don't like it, just an idea of, you know, fresh ears on something and go, well, you know, this one reminded me of this or that. I think that would be a, a fun discussion. Yeah, that sounds cool. Because to me, Bono... Yeah. And Bruce Springsteen kind of parallel each other. I don't know. Yeah. I just I just think that 
you know, Bono's a, an activist. He's got a lot to say. He feels for the downtrodden and the lonely. And, you yeah. know, he's been there and he knows what's going on. I think Bruce is kind of like the working man's man. He's, yes. you know, standing up for people's rights, you know, and he's, you know, feeds the hungry and clothes the poor. And you know, it's, it's just kind of like they just... They just parallel each other a lot, and one of the albums that literally got me through this hard time that with the being unemployed and everything. Yeah. This last year was "Songs of the Innocents." Yes. By U2, and I had never listened to U2 intentionally. Mm-hmm. But it was free, so that was yeah. That was a perk. Yes. And I started listening to it, and I thought, wow. The very first song on this album, he's giving a tribute to Joey Ramone mm-hmm. of the Ramones. I was hooked. Yeah. That's all I needed. 80s reference, you know, because he yeah. came from the 80s, but Joey Ramone one of my favorite yeah. punk bands of the 80s. So I was just, I had to listen to the next one, and I had to listen to the next one. Yeah. And it was like, wow, this guy's... Somebody call him a genius? Because, I don't know, I just... <laughs> Yeah, I just, did I just say that? Exactly, they are. Um, I think one is just a, such a powerful song to me, and and I know, like many songs, there it can be a a love song, but I also think it is a a grander thing of how we need to, you know, we get to carry each other, carry each other, and my. Um, my sister-in-law back in 99 did an Ironman race in Lake Placid mm-hmm. and they they gave a video, you know, a VH, VHS tape and they showed, they had them saying one, showing scenes of people in the race and it kind of hit you. So I totally yeah. agree and it's absolutely, um, yeah, very, very cool. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. This has been a lot of fun. We got a little deeper than normal. We, yeah, but you know, it's just, I think everybody's different and, and you have these stories, you know, and you and I probably were separated at birth somehow. I'm not sure. We have I, a lot of parallels in our life. I, it, we sure seem to be that, don't we, Rose? I'm, uh, <laughs> I um I I feel like I've made a really good friend. I uh, thank you. And you're living in the West Coast now, right? I live in uh, the Northwest up okay. here, and uh, I'll say Seattle, but it isn't because if you say Tacoma, people go where? Yes. So it's like yes, in the Seattle area. <laughs> I that is my sister and brother-in-law, um, my wife's sister and. Um, husband love that area and they keep telling me we've got to go so now i've got another reason see I said, there you no, go. I, said, uh, I said we can meet rose for um drinks and uh, food so there you go totally you. go to pike place market and watch them throw fish Ooh, at each other sounds great yeah uh, I, i'm gonna end with is there is there an artist that you haven't got to see perform live that you're hoping on your bucket list to get to hear or I'm see. I'm crying right now. Yes, there is. Okay. My favorite 80s band. Well, let me retract that. My favorite band in the whole world. Okay. <laughs> That's saying a lot is AHA. Okay. And I have all their albums. Yes. And they disbanded a couple of years ago and now they're reunited. They've got a new album out, Cast and Steel. Okay. They, when they come to the States, they 
because they're from Norway, so they're huge over in Europe. Yeah. And they're huge here okay. to an extent. But when they come to the States, they go to Madison Square Garden, and then they go to the Staples Center in Los Angeles, and that's it. I just want God. You know me. Yes. I really want them to come to Seattle. Yes. And just do a concert. And I don't care if I'm in the last row in the last seat Mm -hmm. by the door where the bathrooms are. I want to be able to hear Morton Harkett's pristine, glorious voice live. That sounds like a deal. I tell you what, they come close to anywhere in Dallas. We will go together. Linda and I will keep you, and you can oh, stay here. All right. Bless your heart. Thank that, you so much. That sounds great. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch, and we will we'll figure out sometime in January, or February. We'll we'll pick an album. That'll be a fun show. That sounds like fun. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. If you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and life and dreams and frustrations and who knows what else, Rose has kind of set the bar high. Emotional sharing. I'm a, I've got a little tear in my eye, and it's a good kind of tear. Please reach out to us. Send an email to setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, and we are on Twitter. And I'd appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. It helps people find us. This has just been a wonderful hour, and thank you so much, Rose. And we're going to thank you for having me, John. Oh no, we're going to close with Ben. The two of us need look no more. We both found what we were looking for with a friend to call my own. I'll never be alone, and you, my friend, will see you've got a friend friend in me. Yay! (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.